Lord, that is our prayer, and we pray that you would use this verse to help us do that, walk closer with you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's a song that is always playing uh, at the gym where I work out, and uh, some of the lyrics, tastefully edited for church listening, say, this life hasn't turned out the way I want it to be. I want a brand new house on an episode of Cribs and a big bathroom that I can play baseball in. I'll need a credit card that's got no limit, a big black jet with a bedroom in it. I want a new tour bus full of old guitars and my own star on Hollywood Boulevard. Because we all just want to be big rock stars, live in hilltop houses, driving 15 cars, hang out in the coolest bars in the VIP with the movie stars. Hey, 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 I want to be a rock star. And it's got this kind of catchy tune, so I'll find myself lifting weights and singing to myself, Hey, 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 I want to be a rock star. (laughs) Realize that probably looks pretty pathetic for a middle-aged pastor to be singing that. (laughs) I'm going to ask you this question. What brings true joy and lasting contentment in life? What brings real joy? What makes life worth living? According to that song, it's success, prestige, Money, fun, sex, that's the part I edited out. And I think that pretty much sums up our culture's values. We're doing a series of sermons on ten different verses in the Bible that can change your life if you take them seriously. And last week we looked at the first four words of the Bible. In the beginning, God. And afterwards many of you told me that you memorized that day's scripture passage. (laughs) Well done there. And we talked about how knowing God and being part of what he's doing in the world is the primary purpose in life. Today is part two of that sermon. How do we connect with God in a life-changing, life-giving way? Because contrary to the song that I just quoted, the Bible says that what really brings joy, what really brings lasting contentment is relationship. In fact, the entire second chapter of the Bible, we're just one chapter into the Bible, and God makes that clear. The whole chapter is about nothing but relationship. First, God makes Adam to have relationship with him. And then God makes Eve. He says it's not good for the man to be alone, so God makes Eve so that Adam can have relationship with Eve and vice versa. Relationship is God's number one priority. God is a relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Relationship is what God's about. And you can see that even in the way that God makes us. You know, it's interesting that everything in creation God makes with his words. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be water, and there was water. God makes everything in creation with his word. Except us. He makes us with his hands. We are the only part of creation that he personally touches. He forms us out of the dust of the earth with his hands. He breathes his life into us. We are handmade by God. For God. Now, as I said last week, I'm not going to get into the whole evolution controversy thing here. I talked about that last week. If God chose to create us through the process of evolution, I don't think that necessarily contradicts Scripture. What Genesis 2 is trying to drive home, though, in poetic language, is we were made for relationship with God. That's why He makes us in such a personal way. And isn't relationship the thing that brings ultimate joy? Now, I know some of you have had that word is loaded for you. You've had some bad relationships. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a vital, life-giving relationship with the living God and healthy, life-giving relationships with each other, families and 
healthy friendships. That's what brings joy to life. I've told you before about a friend of mine who turned down the chance to be one of the early employees at Google. And he turned it down in order to take a job at another company that went belly up. And had he taken that job at Google, he would be a very wealthy person right now. And I asked him if he regretted it. And he said, absolutely not. Because the job he took introduced him to some of his best friends through whom he met his wife, who is a perfect match for him. And then when the company went bust, he spent a lot of time praying and God directed him to a new career. And now he's a professor at the UW and out of that experience, he got a lot closer to God. He said, I got friendships, a wife and closer to God. Way better than being employee number 25 at Google. And he means that. That's not even his Bible study answer. That's his real answer. Now contrast that to, hey, 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 I want to be a rock star. My friend's life just seems richer, deeper, better. True joy in life comes from relationship first with God and then out of that life-giving, healthy relationships with one another. That's what we were designed to do. But that raises an important question. How do we have a relationship with God? The promise of Christianity is that through Jesus, we can have a personal relationship with the God who created the universe. But how do you have a relationship with someone you never see, and when you talk to him, he doesn't seem to answer, and you're not really sure he's listening? My wife says that about me all the time. (laughs) Not there, not sure you're listening. So let's get real practical. I'm just going to get real practical in this sermon and talk about some ways that we can connect with God in a life-altering way. The first is this, we need to connect to God through four H's, head, heart, hands, and habits. We need to learn about God with our minds, especially study scripture and what other people have said about scripture. The Bible is God's autobiography. If we want to know him, we need to know that book. We need to know how he's revealed himself there. We need to study him with our minds, our heads. We need to connect with God in our heart through worship. I hope when you come here, you you try to focus on the words of the hymn or or listen to the words of the scripture to turn your heart to Jesus and connect with him at a heart level and connect with him on a heart level through being part of a community where we point each other to God, head, heart. We also get close to Jesus when we serve him with our hands. Many of you have told me that teaching Sunday school or helping out at Eastside Academy or serving in the Jubilee Reef Center. That when you do that, you feel a joy you know comes from God. And we all need to have regular habits of praying, of reading the Bible, of giving our money. Habits that connect us to God. Head, heart, hands, habits. I'd encourage you to pick up the brochure on your way out. Learn how to do that practically. How you can put that into practice. Are you firing on all four of those cylinders? Because you need all four all the time. You don't do one and then another. You need all four all the time. Are you firing on all four of those cylinders? If you're not, how can you correct that? Another way we experience real relationship with God is by looking back over our lives. For me, this is a big one. So many times I've wanted something, maybe a job or something like that, and I haven't gotten it. Only to look back later and realize it would have been disaster if I had. I dodged a bullet. You know, that was God guiding me. So many times something tragic has happened in my life and I look back and I see that God has brought good out of it and I realize that's God guiding me. I can't see it at the time, but when I look back, 
I see God's hand in my life and it builds my confidence that he's actually there. He's not a figment of my imagination because he's guiding me. A third way that we can connect with God is to learn to hear God's voice. And I'm going to dwell on this one a minute. Learn to hear God's voice. Because I think we don't really believe that God's going to talk to us. I think we do not expect God to talk to us. Or if we do, we think it's got to be like a big booming voice out of the sky. Last Christmas Eve, Rich Leatherberry and Rosalind Renshaw and I were sitting up here on the chancel waiting for the service to start. People were coming in and I was wearing red socks because it was Christmas Eve and somehow we started talking about socks. That's how we pastors prepare for worship. (laughs) Talk about laundry issues. We're talking about socks and suddenly, for some reason, Rich's microphone went on for just a split second while he was talking. And you heard this loud, booming voice all throughout the sanctuary and it said, socks. <laughs> Message is that one word, socks. And people were looking around like, is that God? The Lord wants our socks. He's angry. Give him socks. Rich looked at me and said, how come stuff like that always happens to me? Because we plan it that way, Rich. You know, that's how we expect God to speak. This loud, booming voice. And then when he does talk, you don't really know what he meant. Socks. What does he mean by socks? Or we expect him not to talk at all. And that perception, those perceptions, I think, keep us from even trying to hear his voice. But I believe that God wants to talk to us way more than we believe. We just need to learn to recognize the ways he speaks. Let me give you a couple. He speaks through scripture. There have been so many times when I'm struggling with a question or an issue and I'll read something in the Bible that helps me understand, that speaks directly to that issue. And of course, the more we know scripture, the more we can apply our knowledge of scripture to any situation, which is a good reason for you to read it or attend one of our classes on scripture or how to understand scripture. Go online and listen to the Journey Through the Bible seminar I did last year. Because God speaks through scripture. God often talks to us by what he says in the Bible. God speaks to us through trusted Christian friends who can reflect on how God is working in our lives and help him hear, help us hear his voice in our lives. God also speaks to us in thoughts. And this is the primary way that God speaks to me. And you've heard me talk about this before. I'll get these thoughts that are like my thoughts, but that move more quickly than my thoughts and happen in a different place in my brain, literally at the top of my brain. And that's God speaking to me. It doesn't happen every day, but occasionally. God also speaks in visions. And by that, I don't mean we go into a trance and start seeing things. It's it's more like God projects an image on the screen in our minds, our mind's eye. For instance, if I asked you right now to picture your living room, just picture your living room. You could probably do that, right? The couch, the table, the carpet. You can have a picture in your head. That's how God works in images. He calls an image to mind to show us something. And finally, on rare occasions... God may even speak in an audible voice. It's rare. It was rare in the Bible. That's why when it happens, people are always kind of stunned in the Bible. You don't see them go, oh, another audible voice. That's cool. I mean, it's always a shocking event, but I believe sometimes God even still speaks that way. Now, in all these things, we need to be very careful that it's God we're hearing, not our own thoughts or our own desires or our own wishes. Because it is very easy to convince ourselves we've heard from God when really all we're listening to is ourself. That's why we need to test what we hear. If we think God has spoken to us, we need to ask him to confirm that somehow. 
We need to run it through scripture to see if it jives with what God says in scripture because God will never contradict what he says in scripture. And we need to run it by a trusted Christian friend who can say to us, yeah, I think you've heard from God or no, you're going crazy. It's often a fine line. This summer, our, our children's ministry director, Jane Lewis, was praying about who she should hire to run the child care center here in our church. And there were several candidates, all of them good. And, and as she was praying about these candidates, a name popped into her head, Tara Martinson. Now, the only problem was Tara had not applied for the job. So Jane just brushed it off. Well, a few days later, she was praying again. And this time, Jane got an image in her mind of Tara's face just popped into her head. But she brushed it off again. I'd have done the same thing. Tara hadn't applied. I'd have brushed it off. That's how filled with faith your staff is. <laughs> so a few days later, Jane was praying again. And this time something happened to Jane that has never happened in her entire life. Jane has been a Christian her entire life and this has never happened. She heard an audible voice and it said, Tara. Well, what could she do? Right, so she called Tara up and said, would, would you be interested in applying for this job? And Tara said, you know, I've been thinking about that lately. <laughs> so guess who we hired? <laughs> Tara. God spoke in a thought, in a vision, and in an audible voice. God confirmed what he said over and over. And then Jane tested it with others. Tara still had to interview for the job just like everyone else to confirm that she was the right choice, to make sure that she was the right choice and that Jane wasn't going crazy. But God spoke. We can have a relationship with the living God through the four H's. Looking back over our lives. Listening for the ways he speaks. Do these things and you will connect with God. Maybe not every single day. But even Moses didn't get a burning bush every single day. But God does speak. And to me that's a rush. Just, I mean you hear this over and over again. in personal relationship with God. Blah, blah, blah. But I mean think about that. The God who made the billions and billions of galaxies that are out there. That God wants to talk to you. That God wants to be in a relationship with you. And we can access that God. To me, that's a rush. Now, it needs to be said that all of this takes two things. It takes time. You know, God's not into relationships. You know, it takes time to develop these things. You know, if I only spoke to my wife for two minutes a day and... All I ever said was, honey, could you do my laundry and clean the house and have dinner ready? And, and then on Sunday, I will give you a whole hour where I'll try to pay attention to you, but my mind may wander and I may fall asleep. Right? Now, if that's how, that, that dog won't hunt, right? I mean, that's not how you have a relationship. But it's kind of how we treat God. You know, a prayer or two a day, mostly asking for things, maybe an hour on Sunday. And, and, but you can't develop a relationship that way. It takes time. Time to pray. Time to read the Bible. Time to sit and listen in silence for God to speak. And he may not speak every day, but occasionally he will. It takes time. Start with maybe just 10, 15 minutes a day to read the Bible and pray. You know, when Jane heard that audible voice, she wasn't watching TV. She was praying. It takes time. And it takes Jesus. Can't do this without Jesus. Because we are separated from God by two things. The fact that God is beyond our ability to comprehend and we are separated by our sin. Because what God wants for us is nothing short of his perfect original design and sin mars that design. So sin has to be dealt with and Jesus deals with sin. He takes on all of our sin, pays the price, so we're clean, we're clear, we can go back to God unafraid with our sin in the way.
Because it's, it's, Jesus has taken it away. And Jesus shows us God in a way that we can understand. you got to have Jesus. Because when His Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we carry within us an, a built-in connection to God. And think how different, just think a minute, think how different our lives would be if we really believed that relationship was the number one priority. Yeah, we say it, blah, blah, blah. But if we really believed it, not said we believed it, how different would our lives be if we acted as though relationship was the number one priority? Instead of giving God an hour on Sunday and a prayer here or there and then wondering why he doesn't seem real to us, instead we would seek to connect with him regularly through head, heart, hands, habits, through taking risks to obey him, through looking back and listening to his voice. And God eventually would become more and more real to us until he was as real as the ground beneath our feet. And then think how courageous we could be, knowing that God was that real, knowing that God had our back. Think how courageous we could be. Nothing would make us afraid because we'd know that not even death can stop us. God's behind us. And then think of the security we would have, knowing that the God of the universe loves us, has chosen us, wants to be in a relationship with us, that he even likes us. And then out of that security, we wouldn't feel the need to work so hard to impress the boss or the Joneses or the peers or whoever. The God of the universe thinks we're great. Who cares what other people think? And then instead of having jam-packed schedules because we're working so much or doing a bunch of activities trying to impress who knows who, we would take time instead to make friends, real friends, friends that really knew us and loved us and supported us. We take time to invest in marriages that were life-giving rather than sort of filled with tension. We take time to foster relationships with our children that were filled with joy and not conflict. I don't know about you, but all of that sounds so free, so liberating, so joyful. There's a man in this church whose permission I have to share this story, who by his own admission is an angry, somewhat combative personality. His father was a rageaholic when he was growing up, and his father emotionally abused him, and then he had a marriage in painfully, and now he's mid-30s, wanting a wife and family, but he doesn't have one. He's super smart. He knows theology very well, but occasionally he, he could get caught up in over-intellectualizing his faith, you know, dwelling on the finer points of soteriology and eschatology and other ologies, but missing the relationship part of following Jesus. He also had a lot of anger. He'd argue with people he knew. He'd argue about theology. He'd argue with me. And he's a great guy, and I like him a lot. He just had some anger issues. Well, this summer, he had a life-altering event. It started when a man he respected began to pray for him every day. And then one day, he was driving with a friend, and they were discussing God's love, probably in a somewhat abstract, academic kind of way. And this man just blurted out, I won't believe God loves me until he gives me what I want. And then he said something that he asked me not to share with you, that he's wanted for a long time, a good thing, not a bad thing, a thing he's wanted for a long time, but he doesn't have it yet. You maybe could fill in your own blank. I won't believe God will love me until he gives me a job, a relationship, whatever it is. Well, as soon as he said that, it sounded to him absurd. I won't believe God loves me until he gives me what I want. That turned God into a genie, not someone he had a relationship with. And, and so when he confessed this thing out loud and, and it sounded absurd, he kind of let go of it and thought, I don't want to, that's not who I want to be. And suddenly he said he felt, not thought, not theologized about, not had an idea about, he felt God's overwhelming love for him. 
for the first time in his life. Been a Christian a long time. The first time he felt God's overwhelming love. And he said in that moment, it was a real experience. It wasn't an idea. Jesus was sitting right next to me. He reached over and he grabbed my pain and he said, I'll take that from here. It's mine. He sent me an email describing this experience. And he said in the email, I get it now. I finally get it. God loves me. And then at a couple of points in the email, he'd just start writing joy in capital letters with exclamation points after it. Sort of grammar gone haywire. (laughs) Sentence fragments everywhere expressing happiness. And now he's starting to see the world differently, even in little things. For instance, one day he was out on a boat and he saw this fish just kind of jump out of the water. And he thought, that fish looks happy. I don't know if fish can be happy, but he thought the fish looked happy. And and he thought, and it makes me happy to see the fish happy. And he thought, I bet it makes God happy to see me. Okay, this from a man, this, this kind of joy from a man who by his own admission is an angry, combative person. This is transformation that's happening here. And now instead of wanting to argue about ologies... He wants to read scripture to find the relationship part of following Jesus. And now when he reads the Bible, he hears God talking to him. He hears God convicting him of his sin and assuring him of his love and giving him hope and giving him vision. Even going back into his past and helping him imagine those things with Jesus there to heal him. In other words, God is speaking to him. They're having a conversation. And and he doesn't feel as angry anymore. And out of this relationship with God now, his relationships with other people are starting to improve. He's asked forgiveness from the people he's hurt. He stopped raging at others as much as he used to do. He even saw a drunk person on a public beach and before that might have made him really angry, but instead this time it made him compassionate and he started wondering what would make a person feel the need to do that. He even asked a woman out on a date and got shot down and he still has joy. Okay, that's some real joy. That's Teflon joy. That's good joy. That's joy that's going to last. He said to me this week, I'm not sure I had an anger problem. I had a love problem. I didn't know how much God loved me. He connected with God, not just in his head, but in his heart. And he's hearing God speak. And out of that relationship with God, his relationship with others are improving. And life is just getting a whole lot better. We were handmade by God for God. And we will not be happy until we know him deeply, closely, intimately. So this week, how can you make relationship with God and then with others your number one priority? What changes do you need to make in your schedule? What changes do you need to make in your life? Maybe you just start with 10, 15 minutes a day to pray and read the Bible. Because when we don't live for relationship, that's like taking a brand new BMW and trying to use it as a boat. Not what it was designed to do. And it will wreck it. We were designed for relationship with God and each other. And if we don't make that our top priority, we're going to be miserable. We're going to get wrecked. But when we do, in the words of my friend's email, joy, 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 and other sentence fragments that make life worth living. Lord Jesus, ask that you would help us to walk closely with you. Lord, help us to connect with you. Help us to silence all the stuff that's going on in our heads so we can hear your voice. Speak to us through scripture or friends or however you choose to speak. Lord, like Norm said, help us to see what you're doing all around us every day. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.